This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Giving out some Week 10 picks, previewing those big games. Red hot on the year. 18 and 6 against the spread. We got three more today. But really, the point of today's podcast on the College Football Daily, and my name is Trey Scott, by the way, and and it is Friday, November 5th, is a conversation about the quarterback class of 2022, the uh, 2022 NFL draft, which is in the spotlight this weekend. Matt Corral versus Malik Willis in Oxford as Liberty takes on Ole Miss. You've got Sam Howell going against Sam Hartman. Sam Howell is getting first-round quarterback buzz at the start of the season. His stats are not as good as Sam Hartman at Wake Forest. Sam's, Sam Hartman's uh, draft eligible. I haven't seen too much buzz for him. You've got Kenny Pickett getting draft buzz. He's playing Duke. Should go off, right? You've got Carson Strong at Nevada. That's a fun team to watch. It'll be Saturday night against San Jose State, usually a stout defensive team on FS2. I'm not naming the best quarterbacks in the college football, but I am naming the best draft eligible quarterbacks in college football, and that's probably part of the problem for the NFL and why I wanted to have Kevin Boyler of CBS Sports on to talk about this. You're going to see this storyline come probably about February um, and then March once free agency happens for the NFL. There is going to be a squeeze on quarterbacks because guys like Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers and maybe even Deshaun Watson will change, change homes. And then you've got teams at the current top of the NFL draft pecking order, like the Jaguars, and like the the Jets, who probably won't, definitely won't be taking a quarterback. We've got teams like the Eagles and the Giants will have to make a decision on Jalen Hurts and Daniel Jones. If the Lions hold on to Jared Goff, will they take a flyer on a Carson Strong or a Matt Corral or a Malik Willis? Those are those are worth talking about from a college football perspective. And we'll get to that with Kevin after we run through the top week 10 games. All right, on to the picks. We've got three picks this week. I'm going to break them down for you and give you a little bit extra on each game since we don't have a college football-focused guest this week. Texas A&M hosting Auburn. Auburn is a four-and-a-half-point dog. That's a 3.30 Eastern time game on CBS. So Texas A&M, I, I think people are overflating them a little bit. It's possible that that home win over Alabama a few weeks back, a month back now at this point, was one of those lightning-in-the-bottle Big games, everything goes right. Contest for the Aggies. Zach Calzada was out of his mind. It's possible we didn't really learn all that much about them the last few weeks. They they pounded Missouri, they pounded South Carolina, and then they had a bye week. Zach Calzada, I'm going to give him a ton of credit for what he did against Alabama. And he's really cleaned up some of the turnover issues in the last few weeks. He's seven touchdowns, three interceptions in his last three games. But his completion percentage is hovering around the 50s, and that's against South Carolina and Missouri. Meanwhile, I'm not that concerned about Bo Nix's road splits. Junior Bo, junior year Bo Nix, coached by Brian Harson, is a really different quarterback than the guy we saw a year ago. And then also, meanwhile, Auburn has a top 30 defense, and defensive coordinator Derek Mason was the coach at Vanderbilt last year when the Commodores cooked up a very nice defensive game plan in the opener at Texas A&M. A&M scored 17 points that night in a near loss, and those 17 points 
for a season low. So all that said, I trust Bo Nix more than I thought I would. I don't trust A&M as much as some people think they do. And I'm going to take the points. Give me Auburn to cover four and a half. Uh, and that's a big game for the SEC West supremacy, by the way. A&M still alive. Auburn still alive. It's a big one. Okay. Another good one. Wake Forest versus North Carolina. This technically does not count in the ACC standings, but it will be a very good ACC game. North Carolina is a home two and a half point favorite. This is at noon Eastern time on ABC. The reason it doesn't count in the ACC standings is the big four North Carolina schools like to do what they call the big four round table. So, or round robin. So anyway, uh, for Wake Forest, this is a a really tough, uh, the really tough stretch is about to start. They're number 10 in the college football playoff rankings. That's awesome. A lot of people don't think it's going to last. At North Carolina on Saturday, hosting NC State the next week, then at Clemson and then Boston College. So I would firstly expect a lot of points here. These defenses rank 84th nationally and 90th nationally in yards per play. North Carolina is the 90th. Uh, It's Sam Hartman. I mentioned earlier, he has a better statistical profile than Sam Howe, though in in Howe's defense, he's been asked to do way too much for that offense. Wake Forest is a better team. North Carolina is favored at home. That's why they're favored. Is that noon? It's not some raucous night game for them. If it gets raucous there in the midst of a bad season anyway. I can't even trust North Carolina to win, so why would I pick them to cover? Give me Wake Forest. All right, another one. 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on ABC. Oregon, seven-point favorites going into Washington. One of the preseason games of the year, or at least we thought it would be one of the preseason games of the year. It's going to be sort of sleepy. It could be kind of fun. It's going to be maybe a little bit misty up in Seattle. It's a good classic Pac-12 game. Oregon has won the last two of this rivalry series. They did not play in 2020. Those two wins were by a combined seven points. You might be thinking Washington, home dog. Uh Uh-uh. Jimmy Lake took a shot at Oregon's academic chops this week while explaining why he didn't see them as a recruiting rival. That was stupid on two counts. Washington doesn't do anything well offensively. Dylan Morris was heroic for Stanford last week and was solid in the second half in a comeback win over hapless Arizona. But those two sentences should tell you all you need to know. He is averaging a paltry seven yards per attempt. We know Oregon will win. We established that Oregon will win this game. They play well in big ones under Mario Cristobal. And oddly enough, they like to get out on the road. They tend to play well. They beat UCLA a few weeks ago in Pasadena. I know you saw that one. Spread-wise, I understand if you think seven points is too is too much for Oregon to cover in a rivalry game at Washington. But look, Washington's offense is not going to score more than the low 20s. Oregon doesn't need an offensive showcase. They don't need fireworks. They need to win the game 28 to 20. And that's if Washington even gets 20. A few other storylines to note. So those are my three picks, by the way. But a few other storylines to note. Hugh Freeze returns to the Grove with Malik Willis versus Matt Corral. Showcase of first-round quarterbacks. How will Freeze be greeted by the Ole Miss faithful? And is it a possible audition for Freeze to maybe land a Power 5 job? He's done a great job at Liberty, but the optics would be horrible. Let's see what happens. Everybody is saying that Michigan State at Purdue is a trap game, but I think too many people are saying it. It feels a little... I don't know. We, we already, we've seen the one big Purdue upset this year. Can they do it twice? That would certainly change the college football playoff discussion. Oklahoma State is at pesky West Virginia, and Baylor is at TCU, which just fired head coach Gary Patterson. So that's two Big 12 teams who a lot of people still have questions about, but those two teams still control their own destiny in the Big 12. Remember, the Big 12 is one versus two in the conference title game. Oklahoma State and Baylor still have a great 
I mean, they still, again, they control their own destiny. They can make it. Speaking of trap games, can Ohio State avoid a letdown game at Nebraska a week after beating Penn State? Scott Frost needs this one for his job. I think we are at that point. Tennessee has been a big surprise this year, and they are a pick versus Kentucky. Kentucky has been a big surprise too, but after a loss to Mississippi State, following the loss to Georgia, and with a history of not playing well under Mark Stoops in November, it feels like they need to be the Vols to keep the shine going in Lexington, and they have a big visitors list for that game at Kroger Field. One of these days, the Alabama-LSU game will matter again. Until then, the Tide are a 28.5-point favorite versus LSU. I don't think that's enough. Uh, another one for you. If Texas loses at Iowa State on Saturday night, it will be the Longhorns' fourth loss in a row. They would be 4-5 and five overall. Iowa State is a touchdown favorite. I do not see how Texas wins that game. Florida, angsty week in Gainesville. They're probably going to take it out on South Carolina. If they don't, I made a bet with Brad Crawford that I would have to buy him a Hellcat, like a car that's a car, if South Carolina wins that one. That was one of those things that you say like, oh, yeah, man, like if South Carolina wins that game, I'll shave my head. But I wanted to take it up a notch. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot on the line for me and for Dan Mullen in that one. I think Dan Mullen has to run the table in November. I don't know if he has to, but I kind of feel like he has to, to go eight and four and keep the peace in Gainesville. Finally, I'm tired here. Undefeated and unranked, according to the College Football Playoff Committee, UTSA travels to El Paso for a game against the surprisingly good Miners. So both of these teams are surprisingly good. They're both part of the University of Texas school system. UTSA at UTEP. The Sun Bowl, they play that thing. It's like, it's right on the border. Like you, can, you can see Mexico from there. Cool vibe. Worth staying up for. Thanks for sticking around as I ran through those picks. Hope to make you some money this week. Not even really the point of this podcast. We're just a news podcast. But hey, I mean, if we're red hot, we're red hot. Anyway, here's Kevin Boiler. All right, Kevin Boiler joins us as promised. Kevin, you and I probably don't need to be the first ones to say that the 2022 quarterback class in the NFL is not good, but we will reemphasize that. I think I think looking at Ryan Wilson's mock draft is, is pretty clear. I mean, he's got three quarterbacks in there in the first round, Matt Corral, Carson Strong, and Malik Willis, and Corral versus Willis this weekend is why I had you on. I wanted to kind of get your uh, your pulse for the quarterbacking around the league, though, and we've got some free agent quarterbacks who could be on the move. We've got some of the worst teams in football, won't need quarterbacks. When you look at this draft class and the guys you're going to be covering in a few months' time, What's uh, what's your first takeaway? And maybe it's uh, you can be honest here. You don't have to be too kind to this this crop of QBs. <laughs> well, I will be honest in that, Trey. I'm not the biggest NFL draft expert guy. However, our draft experts at CBS Sports, I follow their mock drafts, and so I like to see who the top guys are because I think so much of the draft is actually influenced by narrative and what happens in the playoffs and in bowl games and at the senior bowl and stuff that comes out medical wise at combine. And so a lot of like, it's more just seeing the names and who do you keep seeing at the top of every person's mock draft? Um, because not everyone has their full evaluations out yet. And I'm one of the last ones to be putting together evaluations on individual prospects. However, I notice every mock draft that I look at, I haven't, I don't think I've seen a single one where quarterback goes number one. I was seeing like earlier in the season, Carson strong, but I guess he's got the knee problem that is mm. kind of scaring people away. It's just funny to me. We put out a mock draft every week, multiple every week at CBS sports. And you could say that that's maybe too many, but to be honest, People read them 
keep going back to them. Uh, and I think it's because uh, they like to see how much movement there really is on a week-to-week basis. And it shows you how it's an inexact science this evaluation period is. Yeah, I love the way too early mock drafts. Sometimes they're right on. It was pretty easy to make Trevor Lawrence your way too early number one guy a year and a half ago. Uh, this year's way too early, though. It's it's it was Spencer Rattler. He's not going to be a first round pick. He'll probably be in college football next year. You had Sam Howe, who I guess in this mock draft, Ryan Wilson's is not a first round pick. He plays Sam Hartman this weekend in, in a battle of intriguing quarterback Sam's uh, at Wake Forest. I think Sam Howe is kind of like a Baker Mayfield light. Maybe he'll sneak his way back into the first round. Keaton Slovis at USC was in a lot of people's way too early number ones. I never got on with that. He's not the best quarterback on that roster. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, there, there's no surefire number one. And I, I guess to unpack this, I want to kind of go through the worst teams and what their needs are. Like, and But I also want to talk about, I think the specter hanging over the NFL right now, and you and I were texting about this after the trade deadline with Deshaun Watson not on the move. And with the Seahawks sort of spiraling, you know, Russell Wilson's hurt, but he kind of wanted out even before he said he doesn't want to be traded. But even if if he were to be traded, here are some teams he likes, you know, Aaron Rodgers. I don't think any of us think he's going to be in Green Bay next year. So like the idea that those three super duper star quarterbacks could be on the move and Deshaun Watson's legal stuff's going to have to get figured out. You'd think, Kevin, I would imagine like the, the teams who really need a quarterback. Well, I don't know. Like, like Aaron Rodgers is not going to go to the Texans. But this year's offseason could look a little bit different from the NFL as far as the best quarterbacks are the free agents and not the draft picks. And I think that's a little bit unusual at this point. Yeah, I mean, they go hand in hand. Needs are met in free agency and needs that are perceived as more long-term needs are usually met in the draft. And I think that sometimes they do impact each other. And when you're looking at a draft class like this and you're a team like the Eagles or the Giants or the Jets who have multiple first round picks, all of which may end up you know, in the top 10 picks, uh, you're going to have a look at a quarterback or multiple quarterbacks. Uh, but if they're this isn't the draft class to take them, then uh, you know it gets trickier. And maybe you want to trade that pick, as we're seeing the Rams, for example, who seem to just have completely unsubscribed from the notion that draft picks are the most precious thing and commodity that you can have as an NFL team. And they're trading all of their draft picks to get veteran guys like Von Miller or Jalen Ramsey in recent years that have already proved themselves to be the cream of the crop. So like I think what you're alluding to is if you're one of these teams that has multiple first round picks and you're looking at this draft and you don't have your quarterback situation, are you going to take a swing on uh, either the Sams you just mentioned or uh, Carson Strong or Malik Willis, who, you know, I don't know. You know, last year you had Trey Lance, who was kind of the fun pick to look at, you know, because he was at the small school and kind of off the beaten path, but athletic and and had like this top flight, maybe Lamar Jackson potential. But now on a draft class where you don't have a Trevor Lawrence or a Zach Wilson or even a Mac Jones, it's kind of like you look at that pick and it looks way riskier uh, and not as uh, sexy, I guess you could say. But overall, I think there are going to be some teams, maybe one team. I don't know who it'll be. You could say maybe the Giants or the Eagles since they're stocked with those top picks. And then also kind of Jalen Hurts, Daniel Jones. Like, are they either one of them the guy of the future? You maybe would make a move for, all right, we're going to try and trade for Aaron Rodgers or one of the other guys you mentioned. Yeah, I like what you said there. Because to your point, you're one of those teams. I don't think I'm choosing Matt Corral over Jalen Hurts. Like, I don't think I'm choosing Carson Strong. I mean, I'm not a big Daniel Jones guy, but you, those guys aren't sure things. So if you're going to spend a, the draft capital of a top 10 or top 15 pick 
on a quarterback who is already not a sure thing and quarterbacks are never sure things. I mean, Zach Wilson's getting outplayed right now by Mike White. I liked, I like your, I like, I like imagining the Eagles going for a Russell Wilson or, or an Aaron Rodgers or something. And like the Broncos are in Ryan Wilson's mock draft. He has the Broncos taking Carson Strong, but they're no longer quarterback needy if they do what everyone expects and, and try to trade the farm for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. And we'll see what team could make such a move. And like guys like Deshaun Watson have no trade clauses in their uh, contract. So it could be that they try to make these moves and then can't. Now, I'm not saying there's a Kyler Murray in this draft class, but I think it's fair to also look at the other side. And I think what you're seeing is more and more teams are willing to part ways and turn the page on a failed quarterback project in half the time that maybe uh, in the past seemed normal for normal quarterback development um, because of the success of like the Cardinals who turned the page to Kyler Murray so quickly, or, you know, it's not the draft, but look at how quickly the Titans changed complexion a couple of years ago when they moved from Mariota to Tannehill. Uh, Sometimes just like an injection of a different style of quarterback can totally change your team. Lamar Jackson is someone who was drafted 32nd overall in a heavy top heavy quarterback class with five quarterbacks in the first round. He kind of went to a good place in the Ravens that were already had a Super Bowl winning quarterback in Joe Flacco. He came in, reignited that team. The Ravens were an okay team. Lamar Jackson took them to one of the elite teams, became an MVP caliber player, and the Ravens built their offense around him. So sometimes that sudden injection of a completely different type of quarterback uh, can take a team to the next level. So I think that, you know, whether it comes in a trade, whether it comes in a draft, uh, more teams are inclined to make the move. And that's why I think we're going to see like, you know, at least a quarter of the league start a different quarterback next year than they did this year. Oh, wow. That's a lot. No, we're, we're comparing this draft class quarterback wise to 2013 when EJ Manuel, you pointed this out, was the only QB selected in the first round. And even when the bills did that, I was like, what? in the world are you doing? And Eric Fisher was the first overall pick by the Chiefs that year. Kevin, I'm glad you mentioned Kyler Murray. What class was that? Hold on. What, what class that was 2019? Man, so if Kyler had decided Jones, to... Yeah, that was it. If Kyler had decided to play baseball, that class would be maybe even worse than 2013 just because this goes both of those guys. Um, Let's do this. Let, let's look at the worst teams in, in the NFL because these are the teams who take quarterbacks at the top. The Jets are... They're not going to go for a quarterback. The Jags aren't going to go for a quarterback. Then you get to the interesting teams, Texans, Lions. Like if you're the Texans, would you rather have Davis Mills or Matt Corral? I think that you, if you're picking in the top five and like whoever the consensus top quarterback is kind of falls into your lap like that and you're the Texans, uh, there's no harm in bringing him in, especially because Davis Mills has this week is going to be on the bench and Tyra Taylor is going to be the okay. starter. And if he stays healthy, I know it's a big if, he will be the starter the rest of the way. And so Davis Mills, by the time we get to the draft, will be an afterthought. And of course they would take the quarterback. But I, I do get what you're saying. Like, you know, all these teams that have spent recent draft picks, whether top picks or mid-range picks or even late picks that have kind of bloomed into decent players, like, are they willing to even spend the top pick? I guess the way to flip it is, you know, how many great players are there at other positions that you're passing over, you know? I kind of, I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau, this is top 10 guys. Kayvon Thibodeau, love him. Evan Neal, he's going to start from day one. Derek Stingley, has been a big disappointment the last two seasons, but we're not too far removed from him being a generational guy. And, and Ryan Wilson's got him third, which ties Okuda uh, at cornerback uh, as far as like last 20 years corners go. Aiden Hutchinson's a monster. 
Kyle Hamilton. I know you, I know you like him. The Marvin Leal at Texas A&M, Andrew Booth corner at Clemson. There are, you get to the, you get to the 12s and it kind of drops off. But so many it's, defensive players. It's a top uh, yeah, heavy, it's just a weird draft complexion wise in terms of oh, the top players are all defensive players, which don't get a lot of the star power, I guess you could say. And the quarterback class is light. So it's just going to be uh, one of those picks where if you're picking fifth, sixth, and a quarterback still hasn't come off the board. All right. At what point? Are you no longer picking a defensive player that could be the potential face of your franchise defensively? You know, that could, re, you know, have a quarterback like impact on the defensive side of the ball. And at that point, yeah. whether that's the sixth, seventh, eighth pick or whatever it is uh, with this year's class is when you'd probably take the risk and jump on the quarterback. Man, it's you not know, a good class. It's not a good class. Alave, Garrett Wilson, two really good receivers. There's no running backs in here worth taking the first round. Yikes, man. This is not a year to be tanking. Lions, Eagles, Jags, Texans. <laughs> the thing is, I don't even know if the Lions are tanking. This is just the, the status quo for them. Speaking of them, like they're going to be in the quarterback mix. Let's play the same game. Yeah. Jared, are they riding Jared Goff out? That's kind of the luxury you have when you have a Jared Goff. I mean, Jared Goff is not going to win you the Super Bowl, but he's at least proven in the past that in the perfect situation, he can get you there. He's no slouch. Former number one overall pick. Very good college quarterback. I just think, you know, the biggest difference between Jared Goff and Tom Brady has nothing to do physically and everything to do with mentality and the way they approach the game. I think Jared Goff is kind of a nine to five quarterback. So the Lions have that in their back pocket. And, you know, if there's a guy that falls to them, that is that transcendent talent. Look, some teams every year this happens is going to trick themselves into falling in love with it. And the media is going to help them along because, you know, the media needs mm-hmm. a quarterback darling uh, to, you know, I mean, just look, we're talking about, we mentioned all those defensive players that are stars and we're forcing ourselves to talk about the quarterbacks who we're talking about isn't a good draft class because that's how narratives are, are built. And especially in the quarterback driven NFL, uh, you know, some teams are going to fall in love with somebody and pick them. So the Lions, yeah, I guess they could be that type of team. They're definitely not married to Jared Goff long term. He's just the kind of living girlfriend right now, I guess. The uh, yeah, and they do have that latter, maybe the last pick in the first round from the Rams, and that's who Ryan Wilson. They they have Ryan Wilson has him taking Malik Willis. Um, last thing, Kevin, I know you've been watching a lot of ACC football. Do you have a personal opinion on your favorite quarterback in the in the Brandon in this Armstrong? class? Okay. Oh wait, wait, where were you at? I thought you were. <laughs> I thought oh, you like you, no, not a guy like you want to like Virginia fan. Yeah, uh, no. no, I mean, not I just like ACC. Yeah, but he's a great, nationally, he's a great college quarterback. Uh, my favorite quarterback, uh, to be honest, like uh, these top guys, I haven't seen a lot of yet. Um, I will say just from the highlights on Twitter, like uh, Malik Willis is probably the most intriguing mm-hmm. to me. But would I yeah. be comfortable as a ge- general manager, like uh, building my team around him? Uh, not quite at this point. So. I don't know. Uh, Howell was one of the top guys kind of coming in to the season. But you know what else is funny is you made a Baker May- Mayfield comparison to him. That was a, a glowing comparison four months ago. Today, it's <laughs> not a good comparison. So that just shows you how much the draft thing can change, too. Like what happens in the NFL changes these these players' fortunes. That are Absolutely. Know. The Baker comparison was this gritty, big arm, can kind of move a little bit, but just to get out of there, but like big locker room guy and just like face of a woebegone franchise. And now it's the guy who will get you to the playoffs, but you hate the idea of giving him the monster deal because you know he will never win you the Super Bowl. That's tough. Yeah. And the wide receiver knows it too. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, look, here's the deal. This quarterback (laughs) class, it's not when you consider who's going to be available 
with the Rodgers and Wilson. And when you consider who's going to be on the table in 2023, Kevin, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, maybe DJ Uyangalale figures things out. I'll be shocked if he's not eventually a first round pick. I, I, I think, you know, talk about someone falling in love with him. He's six foot five with a rocket arm. I mean, he'll figure it out. But yeah, yeah it's, it's, this is not the year to draft a quarterback. This is the year, Kevin, for your Giants to, to draft two underwhelming <laughs> offensive linemen. All right. Thanks to my man, Kevin Boylard at Kevin Boylard on Twitter. He's hilarious. Good. Does a lot of great CBS sports content, pick six podcast, CBS in general. Go follow his work. He knows a lot about the NFL and he is a, um, for better or for worse, New York Giants fan. So is our producer, Lance Glenn. Lance, thanks for putting this episode together. Let's see if Rutgers is playing this weekend. They're hosting Wisconsin. Okay, so good luck with that. And uh, I hope everyone has a great weekend. Enjoys all the college football. It's almost over. I hate to say it, but there's really no window of opportunity to not be watching all the college football that you can. We'll talk to you on Monday for winners and losers from week 10 on the next edition of the College Football Daily. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.